Welcome, my audio friends. Nick here. And, uh, you know, just uh, wanted to give you a, another little reminder about our Call to Arms event that's currently going on. I mean, look, I could hit you with all the details, and yeah, the spell books are great, and wow. But you're, you're sick and tired of hearing me talk about Call to Arms. So just fucking go hit the like button already. You know, grab, grab your sister's phone, do it for her. You know, uh, kick your friend in the shin until they go and like it. You know, you want to stop hearing me go on and on and on about called arms, called arms. Well, start putting the work in, people. Start liking our page. But no, today, instead of call to arms, what I really want to focus in on is our Discord. Now, I know we've mentioned it in the past and stuff, and to be honest with you, I'm sure some of you are listening to this and you're like, oh yeah, social media, boo, that shit sucks. And I'm that same person. I'm not a social media guy. Uh, you know, if you were to go look at my Facebook page over the last year and a half, the on- only thing I've ever posted is basically our weekly episodes. Um, not my cup of tea. I tend to find that social media generally involves you with a lot of people that you don't typically want around you or involved in your day-to-day stuff. But I have to say, the Discord that we set up way back when we first started, kudos to Matt, because this was his idea, has been phenomenal. And, and it, it truly is because of you, the fan base. Uh, there's not one person on that Discord that I don't generally enjoy and respect. It's just a wonderful community of really good-natured people. Honestly, the best part about it isn't even the fact that we can interact with you. I just, I love seeing when two fans start interacting about things that aren't even Dungeons and Dragons related. It really has become a little family. And to be quite honest, I just want you all to know about it. And I feel like if you're not already joined, you, you're missing out on something that's pretty special. So you should get out there, hit our like button on Facebook. Join the call to arms, and more importantly, join the Discord. And do it for you, not for us, because you'll get more benefit out of it than we do. All right, that's enough of me yelling at you to go do things for us. Please enjoy this week's episode, episode 12, On the Dead Roads Again. Welcome back to the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. Please put on your 3D goggles now. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Fine, and you? Doing all right. I'm doing. I'm doing good. Especially when I when I take this this super long ladder and I point it in this direction. Whoa! <laughs> what? What? It's 3D. It's, it was a 3D it's joke. 3D. Come uh, on. Guys. Try to keep up. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only person who got. But lost I'm still on ashamed, that. Tom. Make, <laughs> it makes me so upset. I'm. Just, I'm not. It makes me so upset. I'm gonna spit out all my water. Whoa. <laughs> I'm directly, so simple. Directly that was you. worse than the first joke. I love those. Those are the best. No, just like the 3D gimmicks that the everyone's like, stupid 3D. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I wish this was a whole movie. <laughs> See, I would watch a whole movie of that stuff. Just mindless fun stuff in 3D would be pretty cool. Right? More satisfying, I think. Okay, so we're at the Palace of Teeth, and Thalias and Utrid are on the catwalk. Uh. Yeah, I forgot uh, about that. Um, yeah. I do my turn. Yeah, they're on, on the, the catwalk. catwalk. You're, you're, do, your, do a little turn on the shirt, catwalk. Sure, sure, sure. 
Thank you, Nick. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so the catwalk you're on is only about three feet wide. And looking straight down, about 30 feet is the courtyard that you guys originally entered into. That had the five tooth fairies that uh, Vipira was like, take me to your leader. And they just pointed to the door to the north. So you guys are about 30 feet above that. This catwalk is only about three feet wide, uh, which is not requiring you to make any acrobatics checks to balance. But uh, should a combat break out, uh, that might change. That said, I think it was Uhtred shouted across to the other side. We've got Prince Uspid come get him. And these three tooth fairies uh, who look like they might be a little bit more dangerous than the tooth fairies you're used to tangling with uh, come shooting down at you from the north. And they surround the two of you. And they say, He has Uspid. You have killed Uspid. Not quite killed. Not killed. Not killed. But yes, we have Uspid. And we'd like to negotiate trading him over for a stamp to leave the dead roads. Oh, our, our queen, Queen Carnassial, you must speak to. Quickly, come with us. And they and they just, like, zip up to the north, back where they came from, disappearing into, like, the arrow-slit windows that are lining that, that wall. Okay, this seems good now. What do you guys do? I'll follow Thelias down the, the catwalk. Okay, so you guys proceed north up the catwalk. Indeed, you do. I assume they uh, open the door, lower the gate. Is it an open door? Can we just walk through it? The, there is a door, but it is unlocked, and you are able to enter. Uh, and this brings you into just uh, another hallway, about the same length and size of the the room that you were just in before the catwalk. There is a door that leads to the north in the uh, northwest corner of the room. That seems to be the only way forward. I don't know if anyone would look back at this point, but like before Rogyar leaves the catwalk, you would see him kind of like look over the side down at the courtyard. Oh, you're not supposed to look down, kinda, dude. <laughs> well, he looks down and then he kind of looks at his feet and he kind of like hops a couple of times like he's thinking about something. And then you just see him kind of shake his head and turn and go into the room with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I absolutely thought you were going to say, and I jump. <laughs> I think that's what he was thinking about doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you go up into the next room, and strips of loose wallpaper in this once elegant salon are held into place by teeth jammed into the wall like makeshift staples. A folding Ooh, dressing screen. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> a folding dressing screen is patterned with lively scenes of a fat tooth fairy blessing subjects with a wooden scepter. A dressmaker's dummy leans against it, wrapped in tall and silk. A door leads south where you came from, and another leads east. Detect magic. Uh, you are not detecting any magic. And there, I'm assuming you did the same thing in the room to the south, and there was no magic in that room either. What about evil? Am I detecting any evil? What do you smell? So as as you guys are walking through this salon, the uh, the three tooth fairies that uh, zipped back inside, uh, they're waiting for you in here, uh, right outside of the only other door that leads to the east, and they're like very eagerly pointing you towards that door. They say, "Our queen will see you. Our queen will see you." 
I'll look back and make sure everyone's ready to go before we uh, before we enter. Look around. <laughs> I nod. Do I get nods back? You do. Crow nods. Tentatively, yeah. And where is this uh, this cuspid guy? How do we have him fashioned? He's on my shoulder. All right. So with the uh, with the go, all systems go. I uh, I take their lead and go in that room. Hopefully there's no soul-sucking psychopomp dogs in this one. Yeah, or weapons that fly off the racks, or any number of, uh, you know. <laughs> this lofty hall has two alcoves in the east, each bearing a standing suit of spiky armor. Several teeth are affixed to the armor's visors, forming a grin on one armor and a scowl on the other. A large throne stands between them, with mounds of tattered pillows heaped upon its seat. Sitting on this throne, you see a another creature who looks similar-ish in, in anatomy to Prince Uspid. Uh, laying casually next to her throne, you see another uh, Esobach psychopomp. Son of a bitch. And it, it, lifts its, it lifts its crocodilian skull head at, as you enter, and it emits a low growl. Uh, is that the thing we just fought? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my soul uh, doesn't feel so good, coach. <laughs> uh, so you enter this room. This uh, Queen Carnassial, who uh, you must assume is uh, lounging in this throne, just kind of casually looks you all over, and her eyes fall onto Uhtred. And she says, Oh, you have brought my son back to me. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. Son, that's not good news in Thalias' mind. Well, it's not bad. At least we didn't kill him. Yeah, that's... I don't know. She points, uh, like, right in front of the uh, Esabak. Place him on the floor in front of Scritcher. Well, before I place your son down, we need a favor from you. We're looking for the stamp from you necessary to get us off of the dead roads. Yes, I, I have the stamp that you are looking for. And Sense in, ex- in exchange for returning my son to me, I will of course grant you your stamp of passage. Thank yeah, you. Go ahead and roll sense motive. Six. Ooh, 27. Ooh, 23. Nice 27, old friend. Good time for a net 20. 15. <laughs> oh, 22. Wow. wow. We hit it. Yeah. <laughs> we looking for lies now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rogar, you're sensing that Viper is about to attack. <laughs> uh, no, you guys aren't sensing any deception. Rogyar, you, 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 you sense a little—I wouldn't call it deception—but you're sensing uh, kind of mixed emotions when she's speaking of having her son return to her. Uh, but like she's gonna kill him. Like, oh, thank God he's back. Now I'm gonna murder him. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Like, she's actually glad he's back. Like, she's she's. Glad that we brought him back and she'll give us the stamp, but he's not making it out of this room alive. That's why she wants us to f- <laughs> she wants us to feed him to her little dog thing. Maybe. Is that what we're doing right now? Alright, so yeah, just hearing that, I guess Rogar would turn to Uhtred and just kind of motion like, alright, go ahead. I'll, I'll return that, or Uhtred will return that with a, like a head nod, and then uh, Uhtred will move up and place Prince Uspid in the square above her little psychopomp dog. Okay. And as you do so, she gives you a gracious nod, and then she turns to the Esobach 
and she says, Scritcher, dinner. And the Esobach lunges at Prince Uspid and starts tearing him limb from limb. Yep, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> and You would see Rogiar kind of like cover his mouth like he's about to vomit. The <laughs> yeah, it's pretty graphic. Uhtred, uh, I need a fortitude save from you. Seven. So Scritcher, uh, after like really tearing up Uspid, he goes for the throat. And of of me? Oh no 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 of Uspid. Oh. He goes for the throat of Uspid. And with that, uh, similarly to how the tooth fairies in Uspid's study exploded upon death, Prince Uspid explodes into a cloud of chattering, biting motes. Oh, and you God. take twelve points of damage. Oh wow. Oh god. And Joe, I want to give you a hero point oh. because when you guys were fighting Prince Uspid, I remember Joe specifically going, wait a minute, does this guy look like he's a tooth fairy too? I'm not going back in that room because he's going to mega explode when he <laughs> yeah, dies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he did mega explode, huh? He did. So the other tooth fairies, it was just like, uh, I forget what little the- little pop. It was, I think, a poison effect. Uh, but it it was yeah. it was a very mild poison. Th- uh, when th- one of these guys dies, uh, it's three d six points of piercing damage. Oh my god! Oh jeez! Oh my god! Yeah, these guys are little frag grenades. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, real quick, does that happen to the dog and uh, and the queen? Yeah, uh, not the uh, similar creatures are immune to that, but yeah, uh, Scritcher uh, he takes that damage as well, and you hear like a. But then he just goes back to munching on the like the bits of Uspid that are left on the floor. I'm so curious to know what the story is behind this family. But also, I want my stamp, <laughs> and I want to get the fuck out of here so fast. I can't stand to be in yeah. here any more minutes. This place sucks. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Allow me to share the tragic tale of what happened with my family. My son, Prince Uspid decided he would rule the Palace of Teeth. He swayed many other Tooth Fairies to his cause, and they trapped my retainers and myself up here. But thanks to you, I can reclaim my authority and take control of the rest of the Tooth Fairies. Not only will I give you a stamp of passage, you will leave here with gifts from myself. And she points to uh, the two suits of full plate mail in the corners of the room. And she says, you may take one suit of armor with you. And I will also give you this. And she holds out in the palm of her hand uh, what looks like a prayer bead. What? How is this good now? (laughs) Rogar would look at Uhtred and be like, "Uh, which suit of armor do you think we should take? The happy one or the sad one? I'm going. Uhtred's going to uh, first. He's going to walk up and take the bead, the prayer bead from the queen, and he'll say, "Thank you, my grace," and give a nice low bow, a very respectful bow. And then uh, I'll step away from the queen, and as I'm doing that, I will detect magic in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Go ahead and give me a spellcraft check. Twenty. Oh, wow. You identify this as a bead of healing. 
the and this functions a lot like the bead of blessing that Thalias already has, where once per day he can use it to he can activate it to cast bless because as a paladin he'll he has bless on his spell list, uh, so it's not like a scroll where like he's not he doesn't have a caster level yet, so it's not like a thing. Like he can just like like with a with but a word he can activate it. Uh, activate uh, functions the same way. Once per day, the user can activate the bead for one of the following effects. Remove disease, remove blindness slash deafness, or cure serious wounds. Dang. Whoa. That is at caster level fifth. So cure serious wounds would be 3d8 plus five. Damn. Woo. Holy crap. My God. That's a big heal. Yeah. Especially at level two. And uh, suits of armor. They are masterwork full plate. Uh, upon closer inspection, uh, you can see that the teeth don't hinder the armor in any way, and you think with like maybe like an hour of work, you could probably take the teeth off. And, and they're the same? One just yes. they made with a smiley face, one with a frowny face? Correct. Okay. I think the Lias is the only one that can wear plate armor? I think so, Yeah, too. and he's already got like the nice armor. Yeah. Well, we can, well, can give the reshuffle to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think Uhtred would kind of turn over his shoulder to Thalias and say, "Thalias, you can use this armor. They both seem to be the same. So why don't you go and grab one?" I nod, sort of half begrudgingly, and I go over to the at least the smiley one and <laughs> start taking it <laughs> apart. You know, to take with us. Yeah. It feels terrible. I hate this armor. <laughs> well, like I said, you can remove the teeth if you really want to. Yeah, and I think... If you really want to. I, I think Delias wouldn't be that upset, because he knows he can remove it, and also, like, isn't that what paladins want, this plate armor? Yeah, it's going to have to be thoroughly and, and blessed and cleansed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Thalias take or uh, Uhtred takes the, uh, the prayer bead? Yeah, and he'll just put it in his pocket for now. Okay. And uh, so once you guys are, uh, you know, you have, you've collected yourselves and you, everybody knows what they're taking. She says, now please line up before me to accept stamp of passage. Yep, definitely. Let's get out of here. Let's do that. Yep. U- Uchud will step up to her to receive his stamp. She like reaches behind her, like in like the cracks of the, like the cushion that she's sitting on. And, and finally she removes a jawbone. It uh, is empty of teeth, but it contains a number of magical sigils. And uh, she asks each of you to hold out your uh, ha- your hand palm up. I hold my non-sword palm, sword yeah. hand palm up. Definitely. Okay. And she uh, she presses it down firmly onto each of your palms, and uh, it and it leaves a a stamp of uh, strange glyphs. And once uh, once each of you have received your stamps there's uh suddenly a strange swirling mist in the room and uh the image of a skeleton with uh long flowing hair and a crown of roses uh enters your vision and you hear a voice you recognize the voice of mctana Children! Ah, yes. 
I know Amul and Dud are responsible for shielding your heads with false hope. Once I've helped you, I'll deal with those two. Don't you worry. I know their misleadings have left you upset, but you must temper your emotions and listen to reason. All living things must perish. And when they do, their bodies return to the soil, bringing fertility to the earth. From this fertile soil blooms life. Insects and plants consume the nourishment and become food for larger animals. And eventually, the nourishment arrives back at the humans and the other civilized races. So you see, it is not the end. Death is merely a passing off point where we share our energy with the universe. You should be honored to be part of this cycle for it is perfect in its balance and harmony. It is every living creature's duty to participate in this repetition of life and death, hot and cold, in and out. The universe itself draws breath from this cycle Please see the love and wisdom of my words and turn back. I promise I would be kind and gentle in my duties. And the swirling mist is gone and you are back in Queen Carnassial's throne room. Oh, is she boy. still in the room? Yeah, it's it's like as if you guys never left. It, it, it's almost like, like... Was that just like a vision? It was just, just us? Yeah, pretty much. Is it? Does it seem like the queen was aware that this was happening? You can't be sure, but she's starting to look at you guys like, what the fuck are you still doing in my throne room? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I'll give her one last bow and peace the fuck out. Yeah. So you guys, uh, you leave the Palace of Teeth, but only, I mean, only if you really want to. Yep. Oh, we do. If I could figure out how to burn this place down on my way out, I'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> teeth are one of the few things that don't burn <laughs> yeah oh, yeah take solace in that so with that you guys are finished with the palace of teeth oh thank god the only, thing, the only thing left to do is to get back on the dead roads and trudge on for two Indeed. more stamps correct I mean that was only yeah. one of three <laughs> correct Alex please <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what time um, of day is it it's kind of impossible to tell. This this place is just eternally dusk. Okay, well, I mean, give me uh, how long do we think we were in this? Like, how long has it been since we slept and rested? So you guys woke up and immediately started walking to this place, and that took you a few hours. And I'd say, Max, you were probably in there for one hour, but I think that might be stretching it a little bit. Damn, it felt yeah, like that's, that's for... five weeks. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, either way, you guys would be justified in feeling a little drained, probably. Yeah, I, I, Rogar would definitely suggest we put a little distance between ourselves and this goddamn oh, come on. and then just take set, a break. Just set up camp in, in the courtyard or something. Eventually, she's going to find out her other psycho dog is dead. So I agree. I don't want to be right outside. <laughs> okay. So you guys have no problem uh, being able to do that. You put some distance between you and the Palace of Teeth. And, uh, yeah, I guess eventually you guys would feel comfortable in uh, setting up camp. 
such as it is. Yeah, what, what, we don't have much setup. It's kind of yeah, sit setting down. Setting means plopping down on the road <laughs> and trying to sleep for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? The last time I fell asleep on this road, I didn't get to choose my spot. Now I get to choose my spot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very true. That's fair. All right, so uh, what's the uh, what's the camping situation? Like, obviously, you guys don't have a lot of options as far as, you know, terrain. Like, all you can really do is camp on this road. Yeah, if there's, like, moss, like, growing in between cracks, like, you know, I'm plucking that away, kind of really making myself, like, a little bit of a pillow with it. <laughs> uh, it's going to yeah, do a survival yeah, forage check. for food. Yeah, to forage for food. Okay. You got a seven. Crow, yeah, crow at a 20. Okay. Father Crow, you're able to to find what little the Dead Roads has to offer uh, as far as edible plants goes. And you guys have another very meager, very unsatisfying meal. Sweet. Not starving is the best. Okay, so uh, you guys set up camp, and I assume uh, nobody sets any watches and you just sleep through the night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Richard will say uh, after we... And we kind of munch on some of our plants and stuff. I'll I'll take first watch. Yeah, I'll get second. I'll take third. Okay. Uh, right. um, Rogar will stay up with uh, with Elias, or he'll stay up with Uhtred for a first watch. Okay. Why don't you guys give me uh, perception checks? So while we're on this watch, I'm Uhtred's gonna be have his like scimitar out. He's on watch, but. Uh, that's going to be very distracting for him because he's basically just going to be like kind of turning it over back and forth, staring at it and really be more in his head about the like flashback kind of scene. So I don't know if you want to give a penalty to my perception. Yeah, I can. I can give you all penalties Cause he's, all day. He's, he's not like, <laughs> oh, I'm just looking it over. It's like one of those things where like. His eyes are locked onto the scimitar, but in his head, like, you know, he's not even on the dead roads. So let's say your perception is, like, more sound-based than anything else. Okay. Seven. And in addition and to I got that, 19. Your, your high-pitched shrieks are blocking out any sounds that might be being made on the dead roads. Uh, is there any uh, any interaction between Rogiar and Uhtred during this shared watch? Only if Rogyar is instigating it. And I will say, probably as the shift goes on, Rogyar might notice that, like, Uhtred's breathing is becoming more and more labor. I think Rogyar would just kind of leave Uhtred to his thoughts. And Rogyar's got plenty on his mind, too. He's he's definitely still, like, clutching that, that little wooden bird that his son carved for him. So he's... Obviously, he's a little more alert than Uhtred is, but... He's he's in his own his own headspace too. Okay. Well, several hours pass and uh, your watch has ended. Uh, nothing uh, out of the ordinary happened during your watch. Good to know. Uhtred actually will not um, like won't even realize that they finished their watch. So if Royar Ro just gets up and like walks over to the others, Uhtred's probably just going to keep sitting there and staring at the scimitar. Yeah. If I get up and walk over and I see you still standing there, I'll kind of like give you a nudge on the shoulder. Just like, are you are you still here, son? <gasps> oh, wait. <we're>... <sighs> yeah. What, what what is it? Our watch is done. I guess it's a good thing I was here. Come on, Our let's get some rest. Done. Okay. Uchid will like kind of just almost like in that daze when you like first wake up, right? 
like you're up you're moving but like you can tell somebody's not really registering what you're saying even though they may like be returning sounds or words <laughs> in kind of that state he'll just follow progyar over to where he does and then sit down he still hasn't actually put the scimitar away it's like in his hand but he's not fixated on it anymore okay yeah so uh yeah so Rogar will kind of like wake Thalias up and tell him it's his turn to watch okay I'm up I'm up I guess. all right Thalias it's your watch give me a perception check all right here we go big money 18 okay uh Thalias you uh you are vigilant throughout your watch and uh you don't notice any th- bad stuff ah perfect uh, so, Thalias, towards the end of your watch, uh, you might be startled by Uhtred, who just snaps up uh, super suddenly, uh, gasping, breathing <gasps> heavily. <sighs> I match his energy. It's just two of us going, <laughs> <laughs> just vibing. Are you all right? Oh, it was, it was a nightmare. Oh. Yeah, it felt so real. Yeah, like I like I was living it again. Elias is flashing back to his soul, getting ripped from his body, just nodding along, like, "Yep, nightmares got him. Yep, yep, yep." I'm sorry I scared you, Elias. Oh, it's okay. Everything scares me now. I mean, <clears throat> I'm still powerful. I try to play it off like things don't scare me, even though I just said they absolutely do. I'm a big strong man. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Once Uchir uh, catches his breath, he'll like return to laying back down, trying to go back to sleep. A couple of okay. strong boys. That's us. So uh, the rest of your watch goes by uneventfully, Thalias. All right. Whew. I uh, I get the next guy in line. It's Father Crow. That's right. Wake up, Father Crow, gently. I don't need another. You know, <laughs> I don't need another spook. Don't need another trigger here. I open my eyes and yell in his face now. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. not even Alex isn't even going to kill me. I'm just going to die of a heart attack. from. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Oh, is it my watch now, Thalias? Yeah. Everything's clear. Oh, thank you. Should be good. Oh, good. 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 I take his spot, hoping that there's some warmth on the cold street. Ignore the moist bit. <laughs> There's gonna be more sweat coming to it anyway. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sweat. See ya. <laughs> All right, uh, Father Crow, give me perception check. Fourteen. Okay. Uh, your watch goes by uneventfully. Okay, so uh, it's uh, the next day. Well, not I don't know about the next day, but it is. Uh, Several hours later, and you've all uh, gotten a full night's rest, and uh, you wake up feeling uh, a little, uh, a little third level. Oh, oh, baby! Yeah. So, since you guys are uh, level three now, we'll we'll call that your your hit die for the sake of natural healing uh, from sleeping. So, anybody who's missing hit points can regain up to three, and. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about it. Who wants to go over their level three toys first? Yeah, I'll go. So for level three, Trid took the scribe scroll feat for his level Ooh. three. Feet. Yep. So uh, soon, soon as he gets some uh, paper and a writing implement, he'll uh, he'll start scribing some scrolls, and then 
Level 3 for Magus is uh, they get Magus Arcana. And basically they're like specific, they're like feats really, they're just more feats. Um, so for his first Arcana, Uhtred took Spellbending, which allows me to pick one spell off the Wizard Sorcerer's spell uh, list. Sorry, real quick. Uh, it's, it's spell blending, just so you know. Oh, I don't, we didn't need to correct that. <laughs> I'm saying, I went to look it up and couldn't find it because I control F bending. I was like, that's not even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Uhtred ended up taking Mage Armor off of the Wizard Sorcerer spell list. So... Definitely be scribing some scrolls of mage armor for sure. Sweet. Very nice. Now, I rem- I seem to recall mage armor is most effective when you wait for combat to begin <laughs> to cast it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean... Because the duration is just so short. The only short. thing with that, though, is... <laughs> I mean, I'm still not quite high enough level. Like, if I do it at the start of the day, like, it's gone in three hours. And as a magus, I only get one prepared... Like, I only have three first levels I can do a day. So for until I get to like the uh, seven, eight hour mark, probably uh, I will be waiting until combat to cast it. Well, I mean, and like if, if you had it last level and you cast it before you entered the palace of teeth, it would have covered you that entire dungeon. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like I'm not going to, who's just not going to wake up right now and be like, first thing I do mage armor. Like, He'll wait until, like, oh, I think we're about to get into combat. Like, throw this mage arm around. Um, got it. Okay. And then, uh, other than that, I got an extra AC point for uh, my uncanny dodge ability. And I think know, it's just the basics. I think it's called canny dodge. Uh, Sure. No, it's canny defense is what it's called. No dodge. Oh, okay. But you do get a dodge bonus. I think that's how it's uh, factored into my AC is through a dodge. That's not confusing at all. Nope, not at all. And uh, yeah, that I mean, other than the the everything stuff, that's what Utri got. You got a couple new spells this level. Oh, that's right. I did get a couple new spells. Um, I got two more spells that I put into first level, and I chose floating disc, which. I think will come in quite handy for us. You create a three-foot diameter disc of force, and it can last for one hour per level, and it can carry a hundred pounds per level. So yeah, if we it's ever your, it's like, your new pallet jack, yeah, pretty much. And then um, the other spell I took was Ray of Enfeeblement, which I shoot a ray from my fingertips, and uh, they must succeed. I gotta hit them with a ranged touch attack. And then if it hits, the uh, target takes a penalty to its strength equal to 1d6 plus 1 for two caster levels. So currently it would be 1d6 plus 2 strength damage. Uh, no, because you round down, so it's 1d6 plus 1. Okay, who wants to go next? I'll go next. So Vipira actually uh, didn't get many new toys. It's more along the lines of she's got enhancements to already uh, establish things. So, like, her claws are now a finesse weapon, which now works with my dex instead of my strength. Because you're an unchained rogue, so at third level you pick one finessable weapon to just add your strength and add your dex and not strength to damage. Right. 
then my sneak attack ability goes from plus 1d6 to plus 2d6. So Viper's going to be looking to do some flanking. She also has a dodge bonus and gained 5 HP. But beyond that, pretty good stuff for uh, my rogue. That was a good level. Okay, who wants to go next? I'll go next. So Rogyar also had a fun third level. Uh, finally took precise shot, so I might be able to, you know, hit things in a fight hey, now. Hey, all right. And to top that off, my kinetic blast damage went up, so now I'm dealing 2d6 plus my con mod, like, plus one or something like that. It's a lot of damage. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 2d6 plus two plus your con mod, I believe. Is that limited and how many times you can do that per day nope that's just no, that's like my do, attack that's just what i do oh standard action all day long the limit to that though is i can only it, it is always a standard action to do it so like oh yeah that's just that's my, tough that's just my damage. <laughs> but i mean like at level six yeah, like the no, is gonna start yeah. attacking twice a turn and i'm still only gonna have yeah. the one attack it balances yeah but out. what are you, will you be doing 4d6 <laughs> plus 20 by then It'll be for something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. And he can eventually like empower it, like it, like an empowered spell, like so he can add fifty percent more d sixes or something like that. Yeah. You're literally <laughs> Pac Man, basically. Yeah, pretty much. You just have a cannon arm. <laughs> Pat Mega Man. You mean Mega Man? Or, yeah, I'm sorry. I meant Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> that same reaction was going off in my head as you guys were verbalizing it. I'm like Pac Man. Um. Yeah, uh, let's see. I also I also got a new infusion called Pushing Infusion, which means when I hit something with my blast, I can literally just shove them back five feet. Oh, um, man. And I also got an ability called Elemental Overflow, which gives me uh, bonuses to attack and damage whenever I have burn. And that's it basically just introduces a new bookkeeping mechanic to Kineticist to add some, some bonuses. All right, who wants to go next? Our hero, Thalias, will go next. I got uh, a new feat for two extra lay on hands because Alex is the worst and keeps trying to kill me, and I don't have enough healing, so that should help. <laughs> I got some more HP to help with my biff tankiness. I got an aura of courage, which gives me fear resistance, and it should be immunity, but again, Alex is a jerk, and he's just nerfing it to resistance. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, uh, let me yeah, just, wait a minute. that's not something. So and, uh, this is a, uh, this is a, an alternate rule out of the horror adventures book. Uh, since this is a horror themed adventure, having immunity to fear would kind of undermine a lot of the themes and uh, challenges in this campaign. Uh, to be so fair... It also doesn't seem like Thalias is all of a sudden fearless. So, you know, I'm not That's arguing true. with you too, too hard on this. <laughs> that is true. So instead, he would have uh, fear resistance, which is, which is a uh, kind of a, a custom mechanic. And he, and here's another uh, another mechanic is uh, the, the, the steps of fear in Pathfinder. Uh, traditionally, it goes shaken and then frightened and then panicked. And each one gives you less and less control over your character as you grow more and more scared. Uh, another optional rule is expanded uh, levels of fear, uh, which takes the three steps and expands it to seven steps. Not that it's really come up yet, I don't think, but 
it'll it'll just kind of spread out the succession of you know how scared your characters get based on what's going on so yeah what fear resistance does is Thalias will track his fear as being two steps lower than what the effect otherwise would impart him with uh so something that would make anybody else frightened uh which is you have to run away from the source of your fear in a random direction it would instead leave Thalias as shaken which just gives him a minus two penalty on pretty much all of his d20 rolls but he otherwise has full control of his character it would take something leaving him I forget what it's, I think it's terrified is the step above panicked in the expanded rules, which is basically the same thing as panicked, except once you've successfully fled from the source of your fear, you then have a kind of like a pseudo confusion effect, kind of randomly dictating what you do once you're quote unquote safe. Uh, so it would take something that would have otherwise left him terrified to actually cause him to run away from the source of the fear so it's still a very very good he's still way better off like fear wise than anybody without fear resistance but that's sorry it kind of turned into a little bit of a, a ramp but that's the gist of what fear resistance does versus fear immunity that's good because i needed all that lesson i i wasn't actually <laughs> sure exactly what it did well there you go and uh the other one i got is beauty unyielding i gain spell resistance equal to 11 plus my level but only for spells that are non-harmless transmutations. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. The Oh, the, I have this mercy too. And the mercy oh, yeah. is uh, shaken. So every time nice. I, uh, every time I lay on hands, if they're shaken, I basically unshake them. In I, addition I, to the healing that lay on hands would do. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, I lay my hands on them, I shake them and say, get a hold of yourself. And I, you know, shake them back right. Yeah. What's nice. really cool about that, like readdressing like the fear resistance thing, say say the group gets hit with like some AOE fear effect that leaves everybody frightened. Thalias would only be shaken and he can, as a swift action, lay on hands on himself and <laughs> just have it completely shaken off. That's just and- funny to picture on myself. Just slapping myself. Get a hold of yourself. Slap yourself in the face. (laughs) Snap out of it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So with that, you guys wake up at the end of Father Crow's watch. Feeling feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty strong. But the first thing you notice is that Father Crow is not there. Okay. Uh, Not in the immediate vicinity? Well, I mean, the... You, all you guys can see, I'll remind you, is the road and right at its border is this curtain of fog. And you can see like maybe a hundred yards in either direction of the road. And then eventually, even like that distance, any details are just swallowed up by the mist that's permanently permeating this area. Now, I took his spot where he was sleeping. Is his stuff here? Or was that all on his person? I forget exactly how we have our stuff. Yeah, so Thalias, when you wake up, you actually find two magical wands, like, placed, like, almost, like, purposefully next to you. You recognize the the wand of Create Water and the wand of Cure Light Wounds. Huh. They look like someone put them next to me, not, like, 
they're not covered in blood and there's not nails, you know, marking like someone was dragged away from them. Yeah, there does not seem to have been a struggle. And yeah, it looks like somebody like pointedly left them there next to you. You know that Father Crow was the last one to have them. Huh. Well, where did that guy get off to? I look up and down the road. There's only so many places to go here. Especially on account of how dangerous it is. <laughs> I look around at, you know, all of our team here where every danger has taken all of us. And now he's just, what, out there alone? My Pira wakes up, like, probably not remembering, like, like the watch order or anything like that. Uh, kind of realizes that everybody else is waking up with her. Who, who was supposed to take the last watch? I woke Father Crow up for his watch, and then I went to sleep, and he started his watch. It was Father Crow, and now he's not here. I start to I start to panic a little bit. Wait, Father Crow isn't here? Where? What? There's no way he could have left on his own. I get up and sort of head towards the fog, but not in it. Just, you know, as far as I can go. And uh, I start yelling for Father Crow. Father! Father Crow! Elias, stop that. You're going to bring down all manner of creatures on us. Oh, shit. I look back and (laughs) realize immediately he's right. We don't know what's out there. We don't even know if Father Crow's out there. We don't know what happened to him. He's sure not here. Uh, He's not. I mean, the dude was sketchy, but not to the point where I wasn't looking for him to leave. I mean, he healed me a few times, got angry at each other. That was it. That man saved my life multiple times. I need him. Does anyone see any blood on the road? Signs of a struggle? No. I go over to the wands and I pick them up, you know, showing them how they were just placed right here. He left these here. There's no struggle. Did he Did he abandon us? I, Looks like he I don't think have. he can abandon us. He needs us, right? Just as much as we need him. Maybe he decided to go back to McTaina. What did that vision we had in that room say? Basically, she said, just accept that we're dead and come back to her and she'll be quick and make everything right. Essentially, have us cross over, I would assume. Rogar like clutches that little wooden bird to his chest like, I'm not dead yet. I've got a family to get back to. Most of it, anyway. I must find out what happened to Rossler's coffer. And and speaking of McTana, uh, like she's probably looking for us. She she knows obviously what we're trying to do. If she sent us that vision, we should. Uh, as much as I think Father Crow, I I don't know where he could be, and I would like to search for him, but I think our best move we need to keep moving. He knows where we're going. He can catch up. But if we stop and wait and look for him. I'm more worried about McTana catching up than Father Crow. We'll also have to assume if he did go back to McTana, he might have let her know where we are on the dead roads and how far. He wouldn't do that. How, I hope. how, how sure of that can you be? Yeah, we didn't think yeah, he would you, leave us either. You see that I said it confidently, but I'm not confident in that, which hurts. Uh, all right, well, we should pack up. We should keep moving because we don't know what's coming now. Whether he left on his own accord or not, this this place is dangerous. Yes, yes, I, I agree. I just want you guys to know that I would never leave you. If you see if you wake up one day and I'm not there, something's happened. 
My peer is kind of like borderlining like anger at this point. Like she's just like why like well that's all she knows how to run on. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> this is a fucking fuel at this point. She wakes up and says, "All right, what pissed me off today?" How <laughs> Dude, it's my Wheaties. Angeros. Angeros. Furios. <laughs> oh, you guys um, are good. Let me get one. Let me get one. Is Thalias going to be traveling in the plate armor or the breastplate? That's a good point. Uh, I think between the four of you, the only other one who's proficient with medium armor. Wait, are rogues proficient in medium armor? No. I was about to say rogues, but oh, maybe they're not. If you're going to travel with it already on, uh, Uhtred will help you don said armor. I'd appreciate so, that. Uh, in case anyone was considering wearing the breastplate anyway, a character who wears armor for with which he is not proficient takes the armor's armor check penalty on attack rolls as well as on dex and strength-based ability and skill checks. Uh, and the armor check penalty for Mithril Breastplate is, I think, minus... Two, but let me just double check. It might be minus one. I mean, does it really matter? I don't think any of us are going to do that. So, well, I mean, minus one to attack in exchange for plus six to your armor is yeah. Armor check what? penalties are decreased by three. There you go. So it's a minus one to your attack rolls in exchange for upping your whatever armor you have. Well, but I don't think Uhtred would take it because he's got other bonuses. But if I can't take it. If I the minute I put armor on, I lose like everything I can do. Yeah, but like Vipera could put it on. Like a minus one to attack probably wouldn't kill her and would give her more of a armor, more of AC. How much would the armor be giving me? Uh, would it be? What's your? My... What are you wearing right now? Leather armor. Yeah, that would up your Which AC by is... four. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I oh mean, I no, I can't. That. The weight. The weight. Well, it's it's mithril. It's it oh, weighs it's... half as much as normal. Yeah, so the so it would weigh weighs fifteen pounds. Yeah, your leather armor only weighs fifteen pounds. 15 it's the pounds. same weight as so your you armor. Gain any weight? Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, sh- she would definitely do that. All right. All right. Cool. All right. And I then at level five, that. either Vipira or Rogiar could take like medium armor proficiency. Yeah, I need to see if there's anything else like I would need to take first, but. It's it's kind of cool that it actually just kind of so. works for Vipira. Yeah, <laughs> what a weird thing. So yeah, Vipira, it might it might feel a little weird wearing that breastplate, but you you definitely feel more protected. Uh, yeah, I feel it already. All right, and then Uhtred helps Thalias don his full plate armor. Yep, and as the uh, as we kind of finish buckling all the straps and stuff, I'll uh, kind of Uhtred will give him a little like pat on the chest and say. Yeah, now you're looking like a true paladin, Thalias. Looks good on you. Ooh, that really resonates with me. I like that. So you guys start trudging along the dead roads. So you guys are walking for about two hours. And uh, between today and yesterday, it was probably a six-hour hike from the Palace of Teeth to your next destination, which suddenly appears out of the out of the mist ahead of you looming over the road like a wizened old man this ancient manor of dark splintery wood 
rises three stories tall. Several windows and small balconies jut from the manor irregularly, each under a sweeping eave of the building's sharply pitched roof. A wide doorway stands in the front of the manor, with a greenhouse of grimy glass set against its side. The building exudes an air of gloom and age. Perfect. At least there's no teeth everywhere. Yeah, I'm actually loving that there's no teeth. Yeah. Uh, this place is called Nine Eaves. So, you guys are standing in front of Nine Eaves, and you've got the front door right here. And as I described earlier, uh, you can see a greenhouse off to the left. There's two entrances to the building. The main entrance and through the greenhouse. Well, probably start with the main entrance. Like, the first time I go to a place, I usually am like, hmm, should I use the front door or should I use the side door? I'll climb through the basement window. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's different connotations depending on which uh, one you pick, right? I mean, if you pick the basement window, (laughs) whoever finds you is not going to be happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Does it open or is it locked? Well, what do you do? Trying to open the trying door. to open the door. <laughs> the door opens. What do I see? I, I'll step through it. Right behind you, pal. I go in right after. Okay. The weak light thrown by two dim lamps barely illuminates a vestibule with several coat racks, benches, and an iron umbrella stand. The wallpaper is stained with age and decorated with repeating patterns of snails. A heavy, dark wooden door exits to the south, while a sliding double door leads to the north. The southern door is, of course, the one that you came from. Detect magic. You don't detect any magic. Go ahead and give me perception checks. My peer got an 18. Which you got a 19. Uh, nat 20 from your pal Thalias, who is going to focus his perceiving on his sense of smell. <laughs> and also a nat 20 for me for a 26. Okay, so there's no magic in this room. There's really nothing much to look at. But uh, I remember Thalia said that he was dedicating a lot of his concentration and perception on smell. The stank of evil, if you want to be specific. It's not a it's not a strong scent. But Thalias, you're like pointedly like, what do I smell in here? And you are picking up very mute traces of like disease and contagion like uh, oh like, that sucks like like, fe- <laughs> like festering boils and you just took a nice big inhale of it yeah the one right. time I succeed it's the worst <laughs> thing that I can smell but again it's not like it's it's not like like someone stuck in a like a ammonia under your nose or something uh, like you can you can smell it like only because you're like really you're really working those nostrils. So you all see uh, there's, a, there's a coat rack on the right, uh, on the right-hand side of the room. And you see that there are two old and worn, but they look pretty, like they've held up pretty well, backpacks uh, hung up on this coat rack. Ooh, interesting. You don't have much time to take a look at those because all of a sudden you are aware of two slimy, disgusting creatures. Uh, one has cl- uh, crawled out from behind the coat rack, and another one has uh, crawled out of the uh, the like the bin that held the uh, the iron umbrella. And they're just like 
Like some taut pustule ready to burst, they scuttle on bristles of slick hairs, these little ooze-like creatures, and they look like they're ready to attack you. Everyone roll initiative. Aye. Anyone who wants to can give me a knowledge dungeoneering on these creatures. Ooh, I took oh, let, that let me one. see if I know that one. Okay, let's do initiative first. Vipira. 23. Ooh. Oh. Wow. Uhtred. 7. Thalias. Yeah, I was feeling great with my uh, 15. Rogyar. Uh, 13. I mean, you should still feel pretty good. You're going second. Nice. Okay. Uh, and what did we get for our knowledges? Uchu got an 11. Okay. Uh, Vipira got a 23. Wow. Okay. So an 11 still uh, identifies these things. Uh, so Uhtred and Vipira, you both recognize these as Boilborn. Ugh. From teeth to boils. Yeah, we're moving up. This is great. Perulent wounds that crawl out of that crawl out from piles of diseased dead and areas of mazid contagion. Uhtred can ask one question, and Vipira can ask three questions of these creatures. I would like to know one special ability, supernatural abilities, you know, what one cool thing that it does. Oh, let me tell you about their death throes. When killed, it. a boilborn pops in a 10-foot radius burst that deals 2d6 points of acid damage. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Uh, you can make a reflex save to have the damage, but if you take any damage... Even if you succeed on the reflex save, you then need to make a fortitude save or contract a disease. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Vipira? Um, HP game, uh, 15. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. Exactly. Hey. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, we are on fire this campaign. Um, can I get movement speed? Oh, Okay. Uh, you know that these things have three different movements. They they can move across the ground uh, 10 feet per round. They can climb at a speed of 10 feet, and they can swim at a speed of 10 feet. Interesting. Okay. Uh, resistances. You know that they uh, resist the first 10 points of acid damage. Okay. That also checks out. And that is good to know for Uhtred. <laughs> yeah. When, when he said they had acid, I figured they probably had acid resistance. Luckily, we just leveled up, and for my fourth cantrip, I chose Ray of Frost. Oh, there you go. Nice. Okay, so with all of that in mind, it is Vipira's turn. Oh, no. Does she want to pop the pimple? <laughs> <laughs> like, she, na- she knows what the consequences of killing this thing are, like... And she knows she's about to do some heavy damage if she hits. You also know there's a dis- distinct possibility. You could just, like, swipe at it once. You know it has 15 health. Swipe at it once. And then, like, retreat and just let me pop them from a distance. Sure. Uh, yeah, let's let's try going for that. So, uh... I'll throw good. it out there really quick. Because uh, since you identified them as oozes, you basically know all of their... Like, all traits that oozes have. Um, which is a lot, but most prevalent to the situation at hand. You know that they are immune to flanking, precision damage, and sneak attack. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, that actually kind of helps <laughs> in this situation. Yeah. yeah. Means you can't overdo it. 
Alright, uh, she gonna go for a claw. On which one? The orange. Uh, the one right next to me. Uh, yeah, the yellow like, one. Yeah. Doing just one claw at first and then it, 23 to hit. That hits. Eight points. Then in that case, uh, yeah, she kind of scoots. Scoots her boot? Yeah, she's going to move back uh, 10 feet. Okay. Like outside the building. Sure. I key in on exactly what Vipira is doing. That looks smart. I'm going to try and do that. Okay. Oh, but I don't have her agility. Well, these things are tiny, so you're not going to... They can't make a tax opportunity unless you're in their square. And also they haven't... Right, right, right. They also haven't gone yet, so you're Yeah, they're still flat-footed technically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to squash this thing with my shovel, and I'll do that now. That's a 25. Yeah, 25 will hit. For six damage, and okay. I'm going to book it. Okay, up next is Drogiar. I love how Joe's still in range of the yellow one. No, he's not. That's no, he's 15 not. Well, That's 15. Oh. Because two diagonals. <laughs> All right. So Rogiar is going to also back up to go stand next to Thalias. I'm going to ready my, my blast for when Uhtred gets out of the radius. Okay. Uh, Uhtred, you're up. Okay. If I'm standing in this square, do I have line of sight on red? Yes. And if yellow were to burst, am I out of the radius? No. No? Because there's like a wall here. You would have cover, which would give you a plus two to your reflex save. Well, as soon as he moves, wouldn't that pop my ready to action? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I am taking a shot on red. That is a 16 to hit. That hits. And, uh, yeah, I max rolled. Well, not max rolled, but I uh, hit it for 17 damage. Holy. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is that what happens now? 17? That's not even max. That's I rolled a 6 and a 4 on the 2d6s. Yeah, it's 2d6 plus 7. You uh, so you you go ahead and pop that that boil born, and the vestibule is just covered in this hissing corrosive slime. Rogar or Uhtred backs up again. That was good. <laughs> well, you, I didn't get to like actually pick where I was gonna end. So so yeah, I, the the map ends like right here, but you have more space than that to back up if you guys really wanted to like like so Uhtred, if you wanted to be like another square south of this one. Oh, yeah, you, yeah that's what I You could to do. be. Yeah, I, I, I would I be did not well. in a million years uh, expect you guys to kite these things uh, <laughs> out of the uh, the vestibule, but good for you. Yeah, I would definitely be, like, further south, like, because I got another 10 feet on my range before, sure. so I can still hit yeah. that thing. And uh, for my standard action, I'm going to hit the yellow one with a um, ray of frost. Okay. Uh, that's a 22 to hit. It's touchy. 22 will definitely hit. For all three cold damage. Uh, it is now the Boilborn's turn, and Matt, you said that Rogiar would have been backed up a bit more if you knew he had the space. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously right, right so, now the thing can reach me, and I don't want that. <laughs> right. So it moves uh, the full 10 feet that it can, uh, and it can't reach anybody, but that does put it right next to uh, Thalias. And that's the, uh, well, actually, it's going to mindlessly just keep going. And uh, yeah. it's going to enter, it's going to enter Thalias' square, which will oh, provoke an attack of opportunity. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I can decline that, right? Yeah, you don't have to take it. Do yeah, it. I'm going to decline that. 
kill him. <laughs> I throw it like a grenade. <laughs> yeah, so we got four four hit points left. Yeah, you probably won't kill it by accident. Just whittle it down again. <laughs> Your minimum damage isn't higher than four or anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so that brings us back to Vipira. Run away. Who is in? Who is in range to finish this thing off? <laughs> you know she has evasion like uh, i'm certain like her reflex save is pretty high <laughs> that would be the most viper thing ever like i'm fine <laughs> fuck the lies yeah she's not evil so she's not like looking to screw somebody else over but well that's a really she good. could okay right. uh anything else tom uh viper does with her turn nope kind of just get some distance Kind of just waits. Okay, Thalias. Uh, yeah, I'm uh running away with uh with my friend Vipira. It right, seems uh, like that uh that what we did before worked really well, <laughs> so I want to repeat that at all at all cost. I'm gonna fully withdraw, baby. Okay, and it is now Rogar's turn. Yeah, Rogar's going to retreat to a safe distance and pop this pimple. But- so that oh, is a 19 Lord. to hit. That is a max roll uh, on your damage. Jesus Christ. Yeah, 19 is going to hit. And then uh, I max rolled my go. damage. Actually max rolled it for 19 damage. Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, you leave another acidic blast as this thing pops on the front steps of Nine Eves. And the danger is past. Our healer might be missing, but our fucking murder bot replaced him, so... <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm actually going to make it a point to commend uh, Rogyar with his uh, with his work there. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uchid will go up to uh, Rogyar and, and put a, like an arm around his shoulder and say, Boy, I'm glad I was nice to you all these years. I kind of like hold up my hand, like kind of proud of you. You can see a little like wisps of air curling around it. Like yeah, I'm starting to get a hang of this thing. Oh, oh don't careful where you point that, Rogar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, go what do you back guys into do the now? room. <laughs> go back into this disgusting room now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, perfect. It it is not a subtle smell anymore. Uh, the room just <laughs> smells like a like a burn ward. Should <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> turn to Elias and go. This is worse than the teeth. <laughs> so much worse. Now, there was right. a door where? Right here. Rogar wants to take a look in those backpacks. Like, is it, oh, are, yeah, are yeah, they yeah. just empty Good backpacks? Call. They appear to be empty backpacks. I like but backpack. you guys haven't had any backpacks this entire time. Yeah. I'm going to keep those in mind, but I don't want to take them now in case they you know, belong to someone else here. But <laughs> if they're unclaimed, we'll take them on the way out. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. It's like when you're uh, when you're shopping and you want something and it's in low quantity. You just like put it to the side, yeah. put it on layaway. <laughs> right, right. We hide it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and this is the only other set of doors, right, in the room? Correct. All right. Uchu uh, will try and open it again, and he'll like, you know, if it, as if it does swing open, as it's swinging open, he'll like knock on it, <laughs> cover all your bases. Yeah, like. Uh, you know, when, when somebody's like opening your door and they're trying to be like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to just barge in, like knock, knock, like I'm trying to let you know." Right, right. I love it. Okay, there is no answer, uh, but you open the door and it, and it opens with a with a loud, high pitched whine. 
You open the door, and a massive staircase of dark wood rises to the north, its maroon carpet pitted with age. The railings are carved to resemble ascending ghosts. The wall atop the stairs bears an enormous, looming portrait, six feet wide and nine feet tall. The portrait depicts a bearded older man with curling ram horns, hunched under the weight of a massive snail shell on his back. The figure bears a half-grin, as though he knows a particularly delightful secret. A chandelier of iron and glass hangs down above the stairs' lower landing, from the ceiling 20 feet above, its few lit candles flickering weakly. From the lower landing, three different sliding doors lead to the west, the east, and south, the one that you came from. From the upper landing, sliding double doors lead to the east and west, one on each side of the looming portrait. What do you guys do? Well, the last time that we entered one of these castles, the big boy was at the very top. Maybe the same remains true for the rest of these places. Why doesn't everybody give me perception checks? That's a 17 for Rogyar. 18 for Vipira. Okay. So as, as Vipira is speaking, you all hear a low buzzing sound coming from somewhere above you. And you look up and you see four creatures coming down from atop the chandelier. Everyone roll initiative. Fucking more pixies. Oh my god. These do not look like pixies. They look like large cat-sized mosquitoes. Alright, Vipira. 21. Alright, Thalias. 15. Rogar. 17. Uhtred. 9. Okay, anybody who wants to can give me a knowledge arcana check on these things. Uhtred, what you got? An 18. You recognize these creatures as sturges, insectoid oh. creatures that have two pairs of bat wings, a tangle of thin legs, and a needle-sharp proboscis. You can ask me three questions. Sorry, no, you can ask me two questions. Let's do the HP game. 20. Lower. Okay. And uh, what happens when they stick you with their little sticker? That's a very specific question. Hey, you said I had uh, two questions. Uh, yep. Uh, you know that they have uh, an attach ability. Yeah, so we'll call it a bite attack. Uh, they don't deal any damage when they bite, but they attach themselves to you. Uh, th- their barbed legs latch onto the target, anchoring it in place. An attached Sturge is effectively grappling its prey. The Sturge loses its dex bonus to AC and has an AC of 12, but holds on... I probably shouldn't have told you the number, but whatever. <laughs> holds on with great tenacity and inserts its proboscis into the grapple target's flesh. Uh, it gets a pretty big bonus to maintain its grapple once it's anchored. Uh, an attached Sturge can be struck with a weapon or grappled itself. Uh, if its prey manages to win a grapple check or escape artichoke check against it, the Sturge is removed. And you know that uh, if at the end of its turn it is attached to a foe, it inflicts one point of constitution damage. And you know that any creature uh, subjected to a Sturge's blood drain attack, which is what deals one point of constitution damage, it has a 10% chance of being exposed to a disease. Malaria. I say these things are fucking malaria too. Galarian malaria. And that's Galaria. And that's what happens when they <laughs> stick you with their sticker. Nothing good ever happens when you get stuck with a sticker. Sticker. 
Sticker. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, so it is the Sturgis turns. Uh, and since only two of you are in the room here, two of them are going to go after Vipira, and two of them are going to go after Uhtred. So Vipira, that's an 11 versus your touch AC. Does not. And then a 21 versus your touch AC. Woof. Yeah, that hits. All right, so the uh, the green-colored Sturge uh, attaches itself to Vipira, and Vipira, you take one point of constitution damage. God damn it. Uhtred, that's a 13 versus your touch. This is not hit. Okay, how about, oh, it's another 21 versus your touch AC. Yeah, that's going to hit. Okay, so the red one there is attached to Uhtred, and Uhtred, you take one point of constitution damage. And it is Vipira's turn. Uh, Vipira is going to claw claw. She feels that, like, thing going inside of her, and, like, just, like, it gives her absolute goosebumps. And you just feel it, you just feel its barbed legs, like, digging into the back of your neck. Uh, this thing is flat-footed, correct? If you're attacking the green one, then yes. Yes, I am. 18 to hit. That'll hit. Uh, for 15. You rip it into pieces. Uh, okay. Okay. On to the second one. Uh, that's the second one that attacked you. Yeah. Uh, That does not hit. Yeah. And then Vipir is going to take a five foot step south. Good thinking. And Rogyar. All right. Uh, well, since uh, Vipira got away from that one, I'm going to help her out and blast that one out of the sky, hopefully. Okay. Uh, it's got a cover bonus. Oh, then I'll take a five-foot step to the side to get a better shot at it. Okay. But that is an 11 to hit. Fortunately, that will not hit. Yeah. All right, that brings us to Thalias. All right, let's get attacking. The, uh, the red one is attached and the purple one is not. Oh, you know I'm hitting the attached one. As long as there's no, uh, you know, there's no penalties. I'm, I'm nope. trying to get that off of them. Okay. 14? 14 hits. All right. Nine damage. Let's go. All right. Squashed like a bug. Like the nice. bug it is. Yeah. Okay. And that brings us to Uhtred. Uhtred is going to take a five-foot step back. Okay. And then swing his scimitar at the blue one. Okay. Eight. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah, an eight. An eight will not hit. It is the Sturge's turns again, and yellow is going to go for Vipira again, which will provoke as it enters her square. And this is, uh, it's not flat-footed, so. Right, yeah, no sneak attack. Oh, correct. one. Uh-oh. Ooh, give me that confirmation. Does a 14 hit? A 14 does not hit. That is a fumble. All right, we've got a natural attack. This is your claw, right? Yep. Oh, uh, this is called out of position. Oh, no, I don't even want to hear it. Oh, you cannot use this attack for one round. Oh, so you can't you can't use your claws for a round. Wow. Well, her her first claw she cannot use for one round. Right. Okay. Her her second claw is a separate weapon. It's her left and right hand. But yeah, only one claw. Yikes. Okay. Uh, so the Sturge is going to follow through with its turn and ooh, that is going to be a 25 versus your touch AC yeah, <laughs> yeah that sticks 
All right. It sticks to Vipira, and Vipira, you take another point of constitution damage. Oh, my God. All right. The blue slash purple one is going to go, and it's going to go for Thalias this time. And it double provokes, right? Yes. That'll, that movement will provoke from Uhtred and Thalias. Does a 17 hit? 17 hits. Yes. For seven damage. You kill Cut it. its wings right off. Very nice. Okay, well, now it is Viper's turn. I'm gonna claw claw. Well, one claw. Or, yeah, yeah <laughs> one claw. <laughs> yeah, one claw. 16 to hit. 16 hits. For 15 damage. Alright, and you destroy the final Sturge. Oof. I don't want to feel too proud, but we did good there. Yeah. We've been doing really good. Viper ain't looking quite so hot, but uh, yeah, Viper's looking a little pale. Right, right, right. But she's only effectively a minus one to her modifier. Yeah, so she's at minus three max HP right now. Oh. So you guys are kind of collecting yourselves from, uh, from the fight and like maybe like wiping off like little bits of sturge off of yourselves. And you see some movement at the top of the stairs. And you look up and you see that the giant six, six foot by nine foot portrait of the bearded man with ram horns and a snail shell uh, is moving. Like the, the image is moving like a Harry Potter p- painting. Oh, come and on. It's, it's, looking, it's looking at you, uh, hands on its hips, and like kind of stooped forward, and it looks he, looks, he looks happy. And he says, Well, well, things aren't as hopeless as I'd feared then. And we'll see you next week on the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. Son of a bitch. My God. See ya. All right. All right. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya.